listen to the sound of my voice. Because if you're picking up on it, today's episode sounds much more professional. Because for the first time in eight months, I'm back at my campus recording studio, which brings up two very important points. One, we are now capping at our sixth month of To Choose a College. And today we're going to talk about different types of decisions to help you along as you're narrowing down your list and finding the right fit college. But two, which brings into the point of why I'm in this recording studio anyway, today is a very important day in that we get to talk about what it means for students to come back onto campus. Right now, America has decided that college campuses are going to be one of the only unrestricted ways for large groups of people to live and study together because we place an importance on that. So if anything, you could give yourself a pat on the back because now you know that the decision you're making, it means a lot. There's a recent New York Times article that was talking about different types of testing. Let's take a quick minute and do something unprecedented, which is go back in time. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Okay. Good. And then I'll, you know, the the delay, I'll I'll cancel that. Hi, my name's Sophie. I am a rising senior at Temple University. And I am a transfer student. That uh, (laughs) that sounded like you were in a therapy session. Yes. I saw the major, you know, on like a website or something that they had and I was like, oh, that sounds great. And then I like I have a habit of getting just overly excited about things. So last month's episode was about criteria and which criteria you're going to use to choose your perfect college. But now more than ever and never before in this entire lifetime, has there been the criteria to choose a college based on how they treat their students with quarantine and coronavirus? There's three things to consider that I think are really the majority of what colleges are doing, and it might tap in to your criteria as you're narrowing down your list. So the first one is called a PCR test. It's a coronavirus test which goes in and tracks the genetic material of the coronavirus. I don't know. I'm on a radio station. I have no idea how this test works. And you're allowed back on campus. This is done maybe if you're living on campus, living on the dorms. You take your PCR test. It could be a throat swab. It could be a nasal swab, and you present it to the college within, I think, a 72-hour time frame. The reason I'm bringing this up is because that has proved not to be terribly useful because you can go out and can track the virus within the time frame it takes to get the test results back and come onto campus. I've seen people where they ship their tests across different state lines to the colleges to prove that it's them. I've seen people have to video chat with Um, officials of the university to make sure it's them taking the test and they watch you take the test, which is sort of creepy and disgusting. Second is the honor system, where different apps and services will be uh, installed in the campus systems and all you have to do is check in that you're symptomless, which is almost useless. Not my words, the New York Times words, (laughs) because they say that people can lie on these sheets. Even with the testing, there's easy ways to avoid your quarantine, to go out, to contract a virus two days or two weeks before coming onto campus. Third option here is that testing would be widely available on different campuses. I know for certain campuses that have maybe a lot of D1 athletes or a lot of dorm life, they insist on multiple tests per week for every student. This is a very expensive option, but it seems like it is the most effective, but it may influence if the colleges are even going to close as soon as you get there, which would be very terrifying. So it's this little bit of foresight that you can have as you're choosing your college now to at least set the footwork and the framework for a successful dorm life and lifestyle on campus. Today, we're going to hear from my friend Noah, who transferred universities and is going to explain his ways of making decisions throughout his college process. But first, 
Let's talk college decision types. I had no idea what I wanted. I had no clue. Uh, I knew what other people wanted for me, and I let them tell me that that was what I wanted. And so that's how I ended up in my previous institution. Let's get started. I'm Roman Vi, and this is To Choose a College. Episode 5, Decision Types. first talk about what you can do October of your senior year, applying early. This may be the most talked about question in college admissions. If a college has given me the opportunity to decide early, should you? Should you just get rid of the entire process early, throw it out the window, say you're on with your life, and you're done? And here is the mistake that most people do. They fall for it. They do that. The answer here is almost always no. So the mistake here is confusing these terms, early action and early decision. They're similar in wording, and it's certainly for a reason. Think of early action as the nice, best friend. You can get the process over with easily, you might have a larger chance of getting in, and applying early is usually all it takes to demonstrate interest in a college that sets you above the regular decision applicants. With early action, the agreement is non-binding, and it just says to the college that you have your application ready and that you're ahead of the game. Early decision is the bully. It is a binding legal contract that is a no-nonsense agreement to commit to that college and cancel all of your other applications to any other college if they happen to accept you. There's no price negotiation. There's no transfer credit evaluation. There's no leverage. They have you. The two other options are, of course, regular decision, which is just set within the time frame by the college. You are just thrown in with the regular pool of applicants, and this is neither a bad or a good thing. Rolling decision is another option, which means that the college has an ongoing application process so you can submit any time and usually hear back quicker. That's never a bad thing either. So let's quickly switch back to the scary option, which is early decision. Early decision makes sense for two reasons. Either you would not be admitted to this school if you did not apply early decision, in which case I'd ask you to consider if you feel comfortable being a small fish in a big pond. Wouldn't you rather have your future college want you and beckon you with financial aid and scholarships and love? Or second option is you have a gut feeling that this college is perfect. And if that is the case, I would ask you just to listen to the first podcast again in which I said, you will not you will not have a magic, magic spark when you come on a campus a tour campus where your gut tells you that a college is perfect. perfect. These are stories, These are stories made, made up by well-meaning admissions officers. admissions officers. Was that kind of how it sounded in the first step? I think I got almost close to it. So early decision is not good. If you have any desire to price negotiate, which I highly recommend, evaluate courses before committing, highly recommend, or talk to admissions officers about scholarship opportunities at the next tier, which I could not even highly recommend. We have a whole episode on it. To summarize, don't commit early decision. The sneakiest one here, and the only time you'd ever have to be untrustworthy of early action, is if it says the word restricted. Some colleges know that people like early action much better than early decision, so they're going to rename their early decision process as restrictive early action. Listen to how evil that sounds. So just call before you apply to make sure that your application timeline that you chose is not a legally binding mess. Actually, I'm going to back it up. I'm just going to keep talking. No, just talk, yeah, talk, yeah. Like you were, I honestly forget. So in terms of my transfer experience, I'll start back at the beginning and sort of how I sort of selected my, my school. So, uh, and personally, I think this is the wrong way to go about it, or at least it was the wrong way to go about it for me. Everybody's different and everybody has different motivations and needs when they're going to school. You know, the analogy I kind of compare it to is buying a car, right? Everybody kind of has uh, 
different things that they're looking for. You know, somebody might be looking for, you know, something that's just going to get them from point A to point B, and that's all that matters, right? And other people may be looking for all the luxury options and may want all the things that come with it, right? So for me, when I was uh, originally looking at schools, applying to colleges for the first go around, I had no idea what I wanted. I had no clue. Uh, I knew what other people wanted for me, and I let them tell me that that was what I wanted. And so that's how I ended up in my previous institution. Generally speaking, I went there because they offered me a scholarship uh, and because it was a good school and it was a recognizable name. And I don't know, I thought that might give me clout or a leg up one day or something. I don't really know. Again, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I let people tell me that a name was important and that, you know, uh, having a scholarship, you know, was important, which, you know, for some people it is, and, and it may, might even be necessary in certain people's situation. But for me, um, it, it wasn't as important overall because, uh, ultimately my experience there, uh, you know, wasn't great. And so it didn't matter that I had a college scholarship because I wasn't happy. So, so, Again, the first sort of step in my whole transfer process was sort of taking inventory, taking stock, right? So I had to look at sort of both external and internal factors, right? So obviously the school wasn't a good fit because, again, I said it, I was studying something I wasn't interested in, psychology. I'd never taken a psychology class. I had no idea what it was. I just – it was a place filler for me essentially. And I thought, you know, oh, whatever. It's, it's uh, you know, it's four years and I'll figure it out from there, right? Great way to go into go into school with that mindset. Um, so I just wasn't comfortable and I didn't feel myself and I didn't feel at home, right? You want to feel at home there because it is essentially, it becomes your home. It should be your second home essentially, or at least I think that. Again, everybody's motivations are different and what you might want might not necessarily align with what I want or what, what anybody wants, but that's okay. Um, so again, it just externally... Um, you know, the school didn't really have have the major or the, the course of studies that I was interested in. Um, you know, location-wise, it was really far. It was like three hours. You know, I thought I wanted to go away far, you know, far away from my parents, wanted to get out of the house. And, you know, I still do, but I also like being closer where I can come back and, and, and see them. And that's kind of where I'm at now, the school I'm at now. Um, so again, external factors, but also internal factors. I had to kind of do maybe not some soul searching, but I had to kind of take stock of my own uh, motivations, uh, my own uh, failures or, or missteps, if you will, um, you know, because I didn't really put myself up out there enough, I would say, my freshman year. Um, you know, I, I was involved in a couple clubs here and there, but outside of my roommates, I didn't really have many friends. Um, and again, I didn't do I probably didn't do enough to really put myself out there and to, to try to, to have a, a, a college experience. And you might want to sort of blame everything on the school. Um, but I think it's also important to take stock of maybe why things weren't working out because of, again, maybe it's your attitude, your perception. So uh, as a transfer, the biggest thing I can stress, and I would stress this to any new incoming student, but also a transfer student, because it rings, it rings true across the board, I think. And that is, you got to put yourself out there. As cliche as it might sound, you got to put yourself out there. You got to try new things. You got to push your comfort zones. You got to push your own boundaries. Not to the point where you're uh, miserable or you're, um, you know, pretending to be something you're not. But I mean, you got to you got to be vulnerable. But you got to be willing to take risks, right? That's a big thing. You got to be able to take risks. Um, got to put yourself out there. You got to be a little vulnerable. I know it's scary, but you can do it. And because I did it, <laughs> and I never would have thought I was going to be the person to do it. Um, but I, I, trust me, it'll be your experience, uh, will be 
tenfold, you know, what it what it might be if you didn't put yourself out there, if you didn't uh, take risks. You got you got to take risks. You're gonna go out and buy a car, and you're gonna buy a really fast, fun sports car, whatever your fun car is, right? If you don't drive that car, if you don't take that car out, if you don't experience that car. It's not going to bring you any joy. This is the fifth episode of To Choose a College. So if you are following us along with our podcast and our Patreon, you're doing so well. We're approaching our sixth month and you can find all of the rest of the information on YouTube and Patreon. So our Patreon is patreon.com slash to choose a college. And this month, along with this podcast that you're hearing, we have a full pamphlet with included worksheets and infographics and flow charts that are going to help you decide which decision type is right for you. We also have an entire backlog of five months of different materials on Patreon at patreon.com slash to choose a college. All of our patrons get exclusive access to our podcast, to our worksheets and pamphlets, and of course, to our web show, which accompanies this podcast at YouTube. So if you're following us along, hit up our Patreon. Let me know if you like our packages, our podcasts, our worksheets, and collect them all like little webkins. I hope that it helps as you find your path to college. Next time, we're going to be talking about how to make college cheaper and ways and things you can do at the back end of the process to really make your budget and your wallet stretch for you. This podcast includes my opinions and observations. In no way do they reflect any sort of allegiance to a university. I'm not being paid to give you any of this information. And we're through with the legal jargon. See you next time.